Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Phil Chiapetta has been with Rossberg House for 40 years. As their executive director, he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to how to assist at-risk children and youth. Beyond being a safe space for youth, Rossbrook offers alternative school programs, a young moms group, after-school homework club, sports and music programs, and a healthy kitchen program that provides daily meals to participants while teaching them about healthy eating and cooking. I sat down with Phil Chiapetta, executive director of Rossbrook House, to talk about his 40-plus years in the philanthropic sector, his recent appointment to the Winnipeg Foundation Board, and his community mission to help youth find the right path to success. Phil Chiapetta, welcome to the Because and Effect podcast, executive director of Ross House and the brand new, one of the three brand new board members at the Winnipeg Foundation. Welcome to the show. Great to be joining you, Nolan. So on top of executive director of Ross House, I was reading your bio and it's pretty impressive the amount of volunteerism and different things that you do. So you're currently the board treasurer for End Homelessness Winnipeg, past chair of the community agency's benefit plans, a member of the leadership group for Youth Agencies Alliance, YAA, and volunteer for the Speakers Bureau of the United Way Winnipeg. So you do a whole bunch of great, great stuff. Uh, my first question is, why? What, what, what motivates you, Phil, to, to want to you know, give back in, in, this, in such a great way? Well, I can honestly say that that those just came from my many years of working uh, at Rossbrook House. It's been uh, I'm into my uh, 40th year now. And, um, you know, in the early days, I was working directly with the uh, the kids. I really didn't have a time to get involved with groups in the community and things like that. Uh, we were always out uh, doing what we do when you're doing uh, youth work. Uh, and I super enjoyed that time, made great relationships. And then it led uh, into more leadership roles for me as I uh, went on at work. And then uh, we have such a great community. And when you're involved with uh, agencies like the Winnipeg Foundation and the United Way, it just sort of unites you with all the other groups that are. And eventually uh, people tap you on the shoulder for things. And you say, sure, I'll give it a try. And that's, that's how those things evolve for me. It's the Winnipeg way, isn't it? Everybody kind of knows everybody else, and that's the way she goes. I was actually going to ask if that was a typo, or was it actually 40 years at Rossbrook House? That's an incredible amount of time. Congratulations yeah, yeah, I on joined, the- I joined oh, as, uh, you know, obviously a much less gray person out in, uh, in uh, 1980. And, um, you know, in those days, I, I, I certainly wasn't even imagining that I would be here 40 years later, but... Uh, it's a pretty fantastic place. It's a pretty marvelous place. And then as you get the opportunity to be involved with the uh, community and the other people working in the community, it's, it's just, uh, it, it really keeps you going. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Well, it's I'm very, lucky. It's very rewarding work, obviously, right? Every day you're getting to see growth and, and evolution and just kids, you know, finding their way in the world. But maybe for people who haven't heard of Rossbrook House, we have some listeners from outside of Winnipeg and stuff, but tell me a little bit about Rossbrook House and what the mission is and what you guys have been doing for, well, what you've been doing for 40 years. Yeah, well, uh, four years before I joined in 1976, uh, Rossbrook began as um, kind of a relationship developed with a very charismatic nun who had moved into the, uh, into the community, uh, Sister Geraldine McNamara. And she was living just down the street. She was studying to be a lawyer. 
And she was noticing that a lot of people in the juvenile courts were the same people she was seeing in the street. And uh, she really wanted to break that cycle, uh, help them break the cycle. And she started to get out and meet people. And, and, you know, and some of the guys that uh, she met, you know, they joke years later about how they were going in to have milk and cookies, you know, and, and, and then in the evening, they'd be smashing up cars, you know, in a parking lot or something. So it was this real uh, coming together, you know, you would think of opposites, but they were very like-minded. And um, Sister Mac realized the potential in all of them and got them involved in this, this dream that wasn't her dream. It was really their dream to create a place where they would feel comfortable and where they could uh, spend some time, develop, develop themselves and have a little bit more positive life than the one that they were experiencing on the streets. For someone who's been working in this sector for so long, I, I really want to pick your brain about how the approach maybe has evolved over the last four decades. So how did how did you approach, you know, helping kids out in the 80s versus in 20 in the 2020s? You know, like how is there maybe within the context of understanding more about mental health, understanding more about physical health? Just tell me how things have evolved over over your career and, and how the difference in in how you approach your work has changed. Yeah, I think, you know, in the early days, we were really just winging it, you know, and, <laughs> and, and the beginning of, of that uh it, it all stems from the relationships that you have with the young people that you're meeting. And uh, they really, you know, they, we've always followed that path where you, where you follow where uh, their needs, their aspirations, their wants, uh, they kind of direct the work. Uh, so many concepts now, when I look back 40 years, uh, didn't realize we were doing uh, harm reduction work. You know, uh, we always said you could come to Rosberg and it, in uh, any condition known to man, as long as, and this is a timely thing, so there's Sister Max saying, as long as you are a gentleman. Now we, we have uh, male and females in equal proportions. We've got children as well as youth, and, um, and the focus has changed to, to you know, that, that, uh, that was very uh, street needs at that time. And as people got more established, Sister McNamara always wanted to give people that grounding floor where they felt uh, secure and they felt like they belonged and they were welcome. And from that, uh, she knew that was the base. There was so much instability in everybody's life, very chaotic lives. And if they could have a stable presence and if she could keep some of us working there for 40 years, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but but that was part of the the. Um, the place that it would be a stable presence uh, for for youth. And from that, uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, females started to come uh, more than the original group. And so then you would hire them to be the staff, just the way uh, Sister Mac hired the people that uh, she met originally to be the staff. And then all of a sudden there was, you know, kids see a place that's kind of open and thriving. And so younger children started to come and we had to develop in that way. And you know, programming for them is more formal and developmental. Mm -hmm. So you just kept following the path that that emerged. And then, um, you know, you, you had the benefit of uh, so many other people uh, working in the sector who are trying things and then collaborating with them. You could extend what you could do for the kids. 
But I would say, you know, kind of on, you know, if you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy or something like that, mm -hmm. we started right at the bare bones when Ross broke open. People were, were, were really struggling and uh, they still are in many ways. And, uh, you know, poverty is still behind things. Uh, Rossbrook's uh, mainly Indigenous uh, children and youth. So racism has always been uh, at different levels. It was pretty, you know, uh, just uh, open in those days, uh, in the late 70s and the early 80s, but um, still exists as a systemic problem in, in society. So I think we've grown to be more aware and to be more um, conscious of how we can work on those systemic issues. Mm -hmm. I think everyone is together on that. But, um, you know, for instance, um, you know, we didn't know we were doing harm reduction work. We didn't realize that there probably we, wasn't a word for it back then. That no, you know, we, it, we didn't realize we were affecting the determinants of health. You know, when we were giving food and we were we were giving um, you know uh, kindness and and compassion and stability. But you realize that um, that that you're doing that work, and and the staff at Rossbrook House have always come from the community of attenders, and uh, they just have a real strong experiential um, sense of what's happening in participants' lives uh, so they can be there for them as a, as a good example. I, I don't think any of them would be comfortable just saying role model, but that's what they are. Mm -hmm. You know, there's somebody who's, who's broken new territory in their life. And so it becomes accessible to uh, the people in the community who are following behind them. So many times that I speak with people who work with children, youth, and families in, in that kind of world, the the consistent thing that I hear and see is that all like a lot of times all the kids need is someone in their corner to go to bat for them and say, I believe in you, I've got your back, you can do this. And it's, you know, a lot of times we take that for granted in places of coming from a place of privilege where, you know, I, I had teachers and family members and un uncles and aunts who were there for me. But a lot of these kids don't have that even that one person. So how important is it to to just have that one role model in your life to say, hey, I got your back. You're, you can do this. You can handle this. And if not, it's OK. You get up and dust yourself off and we'll we'll try again. Yeah, I think I think that's so well said, uh, Nolan, that that's so true what, what you said. And and at the same time, uh, there's some kids who do have good family role models and are still in a situation where their families have to experience uh, higher unemployment rates, uh, education rates in the community that just are nowhere near what they are in the rest of the city. Mm. And so they face a lot of challenges and that can create some stigmas and some some problems that uh, are really not the result of the kid not having uh, somebody in their corner, but having more people in their corner. When you think of, you know, mm -hmm. what you were describing, you think of how much better it is when you have a whole web of people, you know, that, uh, that are there for you in many ways. So, yeah, we're always trying to, uh, you know, extend that, that, that group of that circle of support. Uh, for a young person. So um, right. it's very valid. You've got to have that one. And the more you have, it's not like, well, you already have one. Right. More for it. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it, a take, good thing. it takes a village for sure. It, it does. Um, so obviously, when people are in, you know, stressful situations, <laughs> obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic is going to exacerbate 
that those situations. So what are you seeing as far as the COVID-19? Uh, how is that affecting your day-to-day? How is it affecting the kids? Give us a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a snapshot of, what, of how that has changed things over the past year, because we've almost been in it for about a year. Well, as you know, we were talking earlier about the evolution uh, of Rossbrook and the and the uh, the kind of activities and the focus that we'd have, and that has really it's almost like we've gone back to those early days, mm. uh, because now now we are <laughs> down at that that uh, the bottom the, the place in the in the scale where there's uh, homeless youth out on the streets. There's really not a lot of places to go. That whole community uh needed us to be uh open 24 hours we've always been 24 hours for a portion of our our year but um once the pandemic hit in march uh a school program that we had on site at rossburg house was moved to the main school so we had an opportunity to be open you know 24 hours every day and we took that option because we knew that that's where the need was going to be um, you know, the, the, the summer in Manitoba wasn't too bad. Uh, we kind of ran our campaign of, of uh, summer's not cancelled. And we wanted people and youth to realize there was still great things to do. And, and you could see organizations like Art City and Graffiti Art and, and uh, so many Broadway Neighborhood Center, a lot of places that are involved in that Youth Agencies Alliance that we're involved with, just doing really creative, wonderful things during the summer so that the kids could still thrive. And I, and, I, and I believe that there was a lot of support for that. But that changed, you know, pretty drastically in the fall when school came back. And uh, our class, our, we host alternative school programs, Winnipeg One Alternative School Programs uh, at Rossbrook, one junior high right at Rossbrook House. And they stayed on the main campus at Hugh John McDonald School. And that again, gave us the opportunity to keep the doors open. And so that's that's been difficult. Our record before was like the whole summer staying open 24 hours. Then we went into a five month stretch and then we closed the, you know, we were closed to midnight on weekdays uh, through through September, but then we reopened. So <coughs> it's, uh, it's different, but uh, yeah. we're there for the basics for a lot of youth. And the kids who do come, you know, we've got lines everywhere. Everybody's in masks and visors. The staff now since the code red, and uh, there's still good food to be had. Uh, there's some activities that you can do at the table by yourself, but uh, at least you know you can look across at the other six foot space and see another youth or mm-hmm. or a staff and different things like that. So it's, it's still that sense of community. That's the word I was going to use. It's still so, it's like, you know, the only person I joke with my friends, the only person I've seen in person is my partner and the Safeway grocery (laughs) guy, you know, like those are the two people I've seen in the last six months. So how are you guys, like what kinds of, what kinds of programming are you implementing or continuing to implement that is maintaining uh, community and a sense of community while still understanding that there's this new normal that we have to live with. And you can't, you know, you can't be doing things exactly how you did before, but, but how are you still focusing on community uh, moving forward? Well, I think, you know, uh, the basics is very important. So, 
even though it's uh, harder to organize, we still do have the, the meals that you can be served in a plate and bring to a table. Uh, now you're sitting by yourself, uh, but there's the sense of still that there's there's that at, uh, at mealtimes that are still available at Rossbrook. Uh, over the night shifts, we have the bag lunches and things like that. So there's always uh, food for, for people who are living more uh, street rough. But um, the after-school programming is just obviously there's no outings and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But there's, uh, you know, we've got some laptops and we've got some iPads and uh, we've got some craft work that you can still do. And so the kids are around for that. And just to see each other's faces, you know, or faces, uh, their eyes. <laughs> Half their faces. I think they're still smiling under the masks. I, I think most of us are. Uh, so that's the good thing. And um, yeah, you just from day to day, you see what's possible. I know uh, Sheila was telling me the other day that she started up a little art contest uh, with the kids. And, um, you know, it was very ingenious the way that she had them contributing and then posting all the stuff up. And so there's still a sense of, uh, hey, we're together in all this. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the main barriers that you see or you come up against, or you've seen over the years when it comes to just the general um, population's understanding of, of your work? Like what are, what are some of the stigmas or the, or the misunderstandings or the barriers that people uh, might not understand that you'd like to address? Well, you know, um, people want to do good things. And, you know, we have a cause uh, that's, um, and if you look at our website, or our social media, uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you'll just see wonderful pictures of kids uh, having a great time. You know, we usually have fantastic amount of, of, of uh, outings and experiences that, uh, you know, you can tell children are really enjoying. And that's, um, that's an easy sell in many ways, right? And so we've always had that very outpouring of support uh, for children. People want children to, to do well. Now, at the same time, uh, there, there can be sometimes this idea that you can do miraculous things overnight uh, for kids or for youth, like why haven't they gone on in school or why? Mm. You know? And it's so long term. And so many of these systemic issues have really, um, you know, uh, put a lot of trauma into generations of, of families and youth. And um, it takes it takes a while to get through that. And so that there's daily wonderful things that happen. Every smile you see on a kid, you can almost say that there's success there on a daily basis. But, um, you know, people would also like to see, and we've had cases, of course, where, where lots of our attenders have gone on to do great things in the communities, be principals of schools, um, you know, go, gone on into politics or, or different things like that. But, uh, you know, the majority of people, if, if they can get through a life and uh, create a life where they can uh, thrive, uh, you know, where, you know, like the Winnipeg Foundation says, where, where uh, they can flourish, but everyone flourishes in the community, that's, uh, that's real success. And I think people get that. But sometimes that that charity model uh, will overtake, uh, you know, a sense of justice or inequality. Mm. And I, I think it's uh, 
uh, I heard uh, Leslie Spillett addressing the Winnipeg Foundation YIP uh, group, uh, young uh, philanthropists at, at um, a celebration they have. And she really stressed how important it was that we move to a justice model mm. of supporting uh, the community rather than just charity in, in that sense. And uh, I know the subtle difference she means, but at the same time, people are so good. Their impulses are so good. And there are a lot of uh, little nuances and th gray areas and things that are hard to comprehend. But that that sense that they all have to give and and especially towards children mm. is um, is the important one that you can work on. For sure. It's got to be such a rewarding you know, world to work in. I mean, I, I love kids. I love seeing kids succeed and grow and evolve and, and, and you know, realize their potential. So how, how have you, when you reflect on your four decades at Rossbrook, what are some of your favorite memories? What are some of the, the things that you think like, I can't believe I got to experience that. And, and you just, you know, think of, of all the good times. Yeah. Well, I, I'm telling you, I was quite young when I started. So, Hey, you're still quite young, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and those, um, activities, those experiences that we had together, like I used to take out something called guys night, you know, actually we called it boys night. And, um, you know, we, we built strong relationships. I still hear from those guys and, um, you know, just to see them go on some of them, uh, you know, to, uh, successfully be able to stay with their partner and have a great family life. And, uh, you know, anytime somebody comes back, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you that that we've even had cases, obviously, where everything can't go right. And somebody's done a stint uh, in jail and um, they get out. And, uh, you know, one of the first places they they show up is at Rossbrook. And they're just so happy when you greet them. And there's a big hug. And, um, you know, it's part of life in the community. And uh, just to be part of that and to celebrate somebody's just individual humanity is a good feeling. And uh, like I said, that, that happens with people being very successful, uh, but it also happens with people just successfully getting through a very challenging, uh, tough time in their lives. A hundred percent. So 40 years there, what do you see for the next 40 years of Rossbrook House? What are you hoping, how are you hoping the organization uh, shifts or changes or evolves or grows like what are you seeing for the future of of that sector yeah i think i think we'll see uh you know a continuance of this more opportunities for the youth uh a a, a larger kind of web out there of support you know uh, in, in those days it felt like it was only us mm. you know who were there for the kids and in, in many real ways a lot of the other organizations uh, that serve youth started up, you know, a decade later, and uh, you know that that period was kind of dire. But but you know, with with all the extra things that are there uh, nowadays for kids, I think more of those happening. I think the movement towards um, you know reconciliation, if that's accepted in the right spirit uh, that it's meant to be, um, we can go so far with that as a community and we can really extend uh, the equity in society. And that's good for everyone. It's not, uh, you know, something where people have to say, well, how come I worked hard and you know, all that it's, it's um, 
it's it's what we need as a society that inclusiveness and the diversity that's happening in Winnipeg now, and the newcomers who are coming. It's enriching life uh, in the area that uh, we're in at Rossbrook House. Sometimes, you know, if you have a celebration or a barbecue in the street, uh, you know, and 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 in the field that's close by to us, wow, it's it's just a beautiful scene when you see. Uh, the diversity of people in the community and getting together and smiling and getting on. It's what we really want as a city. And uh, I think that's the direction that we're, we're heading in. Beautiful. I love it. Well said for sure. I, I want to d- drill down a little bit into what you said, you know, sort of the, the, the attitude that's a lot of people have right now, like I worked hard, you know, why can't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do the same thing? Help me as a young brash, kind of a, you know, a jerk at times, help me understand how to respond to that by not getting frustrated because I hear that argument from friends and family. And I, I, I don't know how to not get mad at it because it, it just frustrates me. So how do you, how do you respond when someone says like, well, I worked hard. Why can't, why can't they do the same? And, and, you know, do that. Help me understand what, yeah, what to well, say. Well, um, if I could say anything, and maybe it's that, uh, you know, in that elevate uh, sort of evolution as a person myself, you know, I was quite hot-headed about those issues too, Nolan, when I was uh, young in my work at Rossberg House. And then as you see uh, and you get in relationship with some of the people that are, are saying those things, if you can uh, ratchet down the judgment sometimes mm-hmm. and just listen and empathize to what extent you can, um, you can be okay with them holding a different uh, opinion and you can keep, uh, you know, keep up the the good fight to, um, to make the world more equitable and a better place. And people come along uh, and in the strangest ways, I've seen people just, you know, through the charity model, support somebody, get more involved with an organization like ours and transform themselves Mm. into people who do understand. And, you know, I guess, accept the fact that uh, we do live in a very unequal society. And uh, depending where you are on that, you'll have more opportunities than other people. You know, there's always the story about the guy who made it from rags to riches, but um, gosh, there's so many circumstances involved, as we all know. And so maybe just if we could all just ratchet down the judgment, it would be a lot better. But empathy, I think, is important. Yeah, I, I need I need to work on my empathy for sure. Just well, who doesn't? Yeah, that, that's very, very true. So, Phil. Well, before we get to the the just because questions, which are the same questions I do for everybody, I want to ask one more question just about about the appointment at the Winnipeg Foundation. And first, so congratulations for being a part of the board. Yeah. What what are you uh, what are you planning to bring to the board? What are you hoping to to gain from the experience? And and how do you think it's going to go? Just uh, for I think it's eight year term or um, is that right or four? Or, uh, or I, I'm not even something sure. Something like that. <laughs> I, I I know. I've been involved, uh, obviously, as a recipient of Winnipeg Foundation grants uh, for many years at Rossbrook House. So you develop a relationship there. And and through that, uh, they often try to get uh, the voice of the community on their community grants. And I was lucky enough. So I've been doing that for the last four years. I've been part of the grants committee. And that extends my knowledge and uh, my appreciation of just the myriad of organizations that we have in Winnipeg, you know, it's, it's, um, 
I think everybody is just, um, you know, uh, amazed by by the amount of good work happening in the city and the great organizations. And I'm happy to see the ones that I know, you know, in that mix and know well. And so I can give uh, some guidance around uh, that that kind of uh, the work that people are doing just from a more hands-on uh, sort of way. So I, I think that, that that's what I could bring to the Winnipeg Foundation because, you know, my influence as a Winnipegger isn't that huge uh, in terms of some of the, the wonderful, uh, incredible people who are involved. So I just have to focus on what I can bring. And that's more of uh, a knowledge of the community, I, I think, that Winnipeg Foundation wants to serve. And wisdom by, you know, our so far half hour conversation i can tell you're a very wise man so i'm i appreciate your your insights and your conversation here today for sure thanks Nolan. so at the end of our time together we do a little segment called just because it's the same seven questions for everyone talking about the causes you care about and why are you okay to do that for us sure okay question one uh what's the very first cause you ever remember caring about you know i i think it was back in uh, high school i had a, a a catholic school upbringing and uh, that's in the 60s and the 70s, Nolan. And, and, and they were really as a, as a, um, a group uh, that, uh, especially the nuns, you know, really getting involved with social justice. And, uh, and then at uh, my high school, there were, you know, uh, Jesuits in training and they were all doing stints in South America and places like that. So they were bringing, uh, you know, kind of third world uh, inequities mm. in an educational way. And I, all of a sudden I was realizing that, uh, wow, uh, what an unjust <laughs> world that we live in. And I was starting to appreciate that only on a theoretical basis. I mean, I was a completely selfish, self-conscious teen. And, um, you know, I was just lucky to be in an environment where, would, um, you know, we have a, 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 a long-term staff at Rossbrook as well, Warren, who's always saying, seeds were planted in them and a lot of them didn't germinate for like 20 years but uh, i think that's an important process just to be exposed to that so that that's where it started and and i have a young brother who's uh, young brother he's not young anymore but uh, he, he was much younger than me at, at the time i was in high school and he had down syndrome and that just made me open to the opportunity to get involved through a project that started at school and all of a sudden i was working uh, summer recreation at saint amont and we were doing some revolutionary things in the day, and I was getting involved with L'Arche. And um, at the same time, you know, I, it was always somebody handing me those opportunities. I wasn't out there scouring for them. Uh, so I was, I was lucky because I would have gone in any direction anybody led me at that, you, at that time. And, you know, I, I was just lucky to have those opportunities. So it just built up kind of a, a, an openness to to that kind of stuff. And it's about saying yes to opportunities too, right? Obviously, like not everyone gets every opportunity, but you have to be aware I and mean, willing to kind of, you know, leave your comfort zone and learn a little bit more about whatever, you know, direction you happen to be going in. But yeah. Uh, question two, if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all for you, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What would you do in support of your current cause? Yeah, I think I'd probably raise all the staff's salary, uh, and and certainly on the on the bottom level, make sure that everybody's at a living wage and starting there. 
I think I think we're almost there. I'm in that direction. I'm going to do it whether that I could snap my fingers or not. Mm -hmm. But that that's an important thing. And then uh, just creating enough um, of a, kind of a staffing pool of a buffer so that really staff could have more time to train and develop and be open to uh, the many things that are out there. So it's not just always the leadership who gets these opportunities, uh, but the staff. And uh, still going to work on that regardless. But if I could snap my fingers, it would happen faster than, right. uh, than it is. For sure. Great answer. Uh, question three, we kind of talked about stigma and stuff before, but maybe let's just reiterate. Question three is what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your cause? Yeah, I think, you know, we did uh, discuss that, just that um, it's a long-term process uh, getting involved with the systemic issues that have kept people down over the years and the racism. And so we've got to stick with it. And, um, you know, we can't expect uh, overnight, although many great things do happen overnight. Yeah, I think I've said it probably a dozen times on the podcast already, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you don't you don't have to win it all in one day. Uh, question four, what is a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan wasn't working out and you had to go to plan B? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It seems like I've done a lot of pivots in uh, in, in in my life at Rossburg because there's uh, a lot of... Um, a lot, a lot of decisions that you make that you've, you know, you try them out. I, I, I think just that whole process of trying out things, if they don't work, don't get so invested in your ego that you've got to stick with them, uh, toss them in and, and, and try again. Well, especially working in this sector, right? Because so much of the behavioral science and all that stuff, it's it's not, we haven't really landed on the, and not to mention that, but every single kid is going to have a different situation. So what worked for, you know, Johnny isn't necessarily going to work for Sally. So you have to kind of, you know, adjust and pivot think, every single time. I think time. that's where the Rossbrook staff is really good. They're very um, flexible that way and intuitive and, um, uh, yeah, life is a day-by-day -day process. It really is. It's mm -hmm. it's not. Uh... I loved what you said about not being attached to your ego so much that you you know you you have to do something. But uh, so that kind of leads into the next question. That's good advice. So question five is: What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? You know, um, right now I'm just down the street from Rossbrook at the original starting place of Rossbrook, which was the convent where the sisters. Uh, we're living that and sister Mac and uh, I'm actually sitting right in their chapel but they gave this house to to Rossbrook after we uh, after they left the community which was a few years back and um, I guess I can remember sitting on the steps here with sister Mac and her you know giving her little tutorials they were always uh, pretty uh, emphatic sometimes but one one of the things that uh, she had told me is that if I ever uh, sort of stop not uh, stop being for the people that I'm here for, um, that 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 that's a problem, you know. And I really didn't get that at the time, but I'm quite sure she meant that uh, when judgment would would come in there, like why aren't they doing this better, or, or mm. what's the matter with them, and stuff like that. That's not the position she wanted uh, us to come from. Uh, it, it was this more, um, you know, not, uh, acceptance of, of what 
what what was there right and uh, you know showing appreciation and creating all that kind of space for people not not the other one Speaking of wisdom, you know, yeah, she sounds like a very wise woman. Um, I had Sister Leslie on the podcast a couple months, or I guess maybe a year ago now, uh, and she's so wise and so caring and so like beautiful in that sense. I absolutely love her, and it sounds like Sister Mac was very, is very similar. Yeah, well, they live together, and uh, I mean, this was a a house of a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, a lot of creativity. Uh, they they really. I, I mean, they're my mentors. They did it, you know, uh, I have no idea where I would turn out without uh, their their kind of uh, guidance and mentorship. And so sure. I, I appreciate that, you know, Sister Leslie was very important in my life too. And I wouldn't have been at Rossbrook without her. So mm-hmm. shout out to Sister Leslie. I absolutely love her. For shout sure. out to Sister <laughs> Leslie. She also put that flourish for all at the yes. end of the Winnipeg Foundation uh, uh, vision. Yeah. And I think that was so Sister Leslie, you know, yeah. to make Good. sure. Perfect. Uh, question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to him right now? Oh, I'd probably tell that little guy not to worry so much that uh, things would work out. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably show appreciation to to him and just, hey, listen, Phil, you're, you're, you're okay. <laughs> You know, <laughs> okay. It's the stuff that you spend forty years uh, getting a handle on, but uh, you know, I, I don't think it happens right for any young person. But uh, for some, it's a lot uh, tougher than others. Yeah, were you, were you an averagely anxious kid, or what? What were you like? Uh, I, I I think that uh, I was easily led astray as a young guy. Uh, I would want to follow the crowd. That sense of belonging, I could completely understand why that's so important to put that into a place like Rossbrook House, uh, but then, you know, create a sense of belonging where there's some positive things that can happen out of it. You know, the uh, the gangs on the street develop a sense of belonging, uh, but it's obviously not the peer group that you want to lead you uh, because it, it never ends up well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I could just say that, um, you know, I was probably way too self-conscious and easily led when I was a youth. But um, lucky, like I said, I had a few touchstones mm-hmm. uh, that came through the environment that I was able to be put in. And uh, they led me to Rossbrook House. Beautiful. Beautiful journey. Uh, thank you, Phil, for, for sharing your time with us. Thank you for agreeing to be on the foundation board. I could not think of a better person to represent the community and, and really, you know, drive those causes forward. The last question what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I, I think I want to be remembered for some of the things that you just said. I, I, I want to be a, a person that, um, you know, after you've met me that you think, oh, you know, I, I think my life's a little better because of meeting Phil. And uh, that that suits me just fine. I, I, I hope that, uh, and, and I guess in a sense, somebody who uh, would be remembered for keeping the faith and I, and I really don't mean that in terms of my, uh, my uh, religious background or anything like that. I mean it in terms of this, this cause, this journey that you're on, that the Winnipeg Foundation's on, that we're on, uh, when we try to make the, 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 the city, the community, a place that flourishes for all. You know, that's, uh, so staying positive about that. 
Beautiful. Phil Chiapetta, Executive Director of Rossbrook House, thank you for your time. Uh, where can people go to find out more about Rossbrook? Where can they you know, help support the cause? I know rossbrookhouse.ca. Where else? Rossbrookhouse.ca is the, is the mothership. If you get there, you'll find uh, ways to find out about us and also ways to support us. Beautiful. Thanks, Phil, for your time. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Nolan. Thanks again to Phil Chiapetta, and thank you again for listening. Um, this is going to be the last episode before the holidays next week, so I want to wish everyone a safe, uh, socially distanced holiday season. Please take care of yourself and your loved ones. Um, thank you for sharing a little bit of your day today here with me on Because and Effect, and thank you for all year long coming along on our journey and listening to these episodes. It's been a lot of fun for me to make them and talk to all of our guests, and I hope it's been uh, somewhat enjoyable for you to listen to them as well. All music on the show is composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com. Because and Effect is a podcast of the Winnipeg Foundation. You can learn more about the Winnipeg Foundation by visiting wpgfdn.org on your browser or by following them on social media accounts at wpgfdn. I'm at Nolan Bicknell on all social media, signing off for the last show of 2020. Uh, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and remember, your only limitation is your imagination. Bye-bye.